The year is 2034. You return home from your job at the Amazon Emergency Medical Center, thanking your luck that your employment guarantees your Prime membership. You couldn't have known how valuable they'd become, with non-Prime members waiting days, weeks, months on the waitlist to get the vaccine. You shut the window, forced open in your absence by another day's brutal sandstorm. You wonder when the window will finally give out for good. How Seattle has changed. You collapse into your desk chair and boot up your PC, Fortnite stuttering as it struggles to render the advanced skins adorning your lobby members. Your GTX 1060 was really getting long in the tooth now. Trying to relax, you blast through a few rounds mindlessly, temporarily hypnotized by the increasingly saturated auras surrounding each item, wondering if at last, this victory will be the one that brings back that feeling. The pride, the satisfaction. The zest for life that came with a great victory. You're certain that there were games that made you feel this way. You remember the rush, but the details become blurrier and blurrier with each passing day. You stretch your memory, warmed by the vague snippets you can recall. A scientist with a grudge. A pigman transforming within his castle. An island crawling with pirates with a theme park sheen. But recently, your sessions had devolved into a loop of disappointment. Click. Your computer goes black as a gust of wind pushes the window back open. You can smell the sand. Just another power surge. This storm is a rough one. You attempt to boot up again, relieved to see the ASUS boot screen that's become such a comforting pillar of your life over the last 12 years. You reach for the Fortnite icon, but the short break was enough to give you pause. The doubt lingers in your mind. Is this even fun? There has to be something, you think. Something that will give you that feeling. It can't just be gone, stuck in a past life with your teenage self. You're still you. You scroll through the Steam catalog, bored by the wealth of content that once seemed so exciting. You blast past Seven Days to Die, still in beta, and Rust, still in beta. Near the very end, you see something. In the Vs. A game, never touched. A Steam gift from an account that now sits long dormant. User Jabba the Nut, last logged in 2100 days ago. Voidigo. You slowly mouse over it and are welcomed to the game page with a giant illustration of a pink bird. Wacky, dreamlike characters squawk and squeak invitingly from their colorful pixel world. Some of them clutch weapons. A witch's broom with an enraged cat at the end of it. Half a skeleton launching musical barrages from its xylophone ribcage. Steel drums bring you a tropical ease that somehow doesn't feel racist. The 90s were surreal, you think. A cartoon horse huffs tauntingly from a gameplay clip. I could kill that, you tell yourself. What would that be like? A shiver of youthful excitement raises hairs under your worn Castlevania long-sleeve tee. Could this be it? Something worth it? Something to feel good about? To tell friends about? That could deliver us from the monotony of an autoplay life of shareholder-curated entertainment? Listen to me, you think. What a fucking nerd I've become. Shrugging off this moment of self-reflection, you click play. I don't think you understand what an outline is. <laughs> Fundamentally. <laughs> so Sam, do you, do you wanna you wanna share your feelings with the audience by recounting uh, how you receive this outline? Yeah, yeah. So so for context, I have been indisposed coding eleven hours a day for the past three or four weeks, and in preparation for this episode, I asked if you could do the outline, or you offered to do the outline, which was very very nice. But um, I offered to do the you outline. did offer to do the outline. Uh, what I didn't expect though was to get uh, I think it was a string of text messages just totaling the sum of that what you just read with zero context. 
And while this is... It's called inspiration. <laughs> while this is fucking hilarious, it's also absolutely useless as an outline. <laughs> well, luckily, I wrote the rest of the outline. It, it, it It's like ordering a sandwich at Subway and just getting a beautiful marble sculpture of a sandwich. And you're just like, that's not what I... <laughs> <laughs> he, like, wrote you a poem yeah. with it. And you're like... Yeah. Okay. Oh You're like, sir, I have to get back to work in 25 <laughs> yeah. minutes. Yeah, I really needed my lunch today. You did write the actual outline, so uh, that's what's important. Yeah, so why don't you uh, take it away, Sam? That's fine. Uh, what's up, everyone? This is Under 1000, and we're your hosts, Sam. And Jacob. And today we're reviewing Voidigo, a roguelite twin-stick shooter based around challenging boss fights and wacky weapons, and packed to the brim with clever and charming design details. Uh, before we get any further into that, though, let's cover the background. So, released to early access on Feptim... On September. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, September. <laughs> That's my favorite month. <coughs> COVID. <laughs> Released to early access on February 25th, 2021. Voidigo is the first game. <laughs> I just can't believe you said COVID quietly. <laughs> Fuck, right. <laughs> September all right. and COVID. All right, good. This is a all fucking right. mess. <laughs> <sighs> Released to early access on February 25th, 2021, Voidigo is the first game from Swedish developer and band of pals, Simiwork. Simiwork is also the subject of a thin but fun IGN documentary, The Making of Voidigo, which is really just 20 very cute minutes, uh, capturing great friends as they fuck up and then they fuck up some more. And then they make one of the best games that I've played in years. So I didn't actually watch the making of Voidigo, um, but what? So so what? So IGN made this documentary about them specifically. It's a documentary in the sense that um, they were technically documenting something. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fine. Like I said, it's a cute, quick look into these dudes as they go on their first game making endeavor. And like I said, they, they fuck up along the way and realize that there were things they could have been done doing better that everyone else who has experience with game making knows. Um, but they, they learn and they it ends up being charming because the game is so good. Yeah, okay. So like you say fuck up. Were they like learning game development like from square one while they were making Voidigo? I don't want to discredit them enough to say from square one i think that there mm -hmm. were just like more complex solutions they didn't know about and then you know every like five minutes it'll cut to a part where a guy will be like yeah so we worked so hard on this and we just figured out there was a better way to do it so we threw it all away <laughs> <laughs> we started over yeah okay that's that's beginning to pro especially programming that's the beginning of everything yeah that makes sense yeah yeah it's just like um it's just like podcasting. Check out episode number one, Buddy Simulator 1984. They can't check <laughs> it out. Find, because we try to find it on our stream. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's right. Yep, go go find it. Um, <clears throat> anyway, Voidigo uh, currently holds an overwhelmingly positive rating on Steam uh, with 634 reviews. It's also a rare family-friendly game. You wrote this in the outline, but I don't know if this is true based on some of the weapons. I, I'm, I'm trying really hard, you know, because I feel like most of our game catalog is not family friendly. I mean, okay, if you have a nephew that you can hate, you can kind of just sit him down with Murder House and like tell him <laughs> that it's Roblox. <laughs> but like other than that, I don't think that we really have a good family friendly game. So I think um, Operation Ta Operation Tango is family friendly. Oh, it is family friendly. Yeah, I think much more so than a game that has a gun that's a literal turtle that you hold, but then also whips out a Glock and a knife and starts stabbing things. That's not. A, that wasn't a Nickelodeon show. 
<laughs> that was the premise of Ah, Real Monsters, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, no, I think it was. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I wanted to start off our review of Voidigo by highlighting one sound effect from the game. I wanted to highlight this, even though it's a simple effect. Uh, it's just one attack from one enemy, but it communicates a lot, and it's really well designed. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's just one blip of sound, but it lets you know that an attack is coming. Simple. It lets you know, once you've learned the enemy, how close the attack is. And it also gives you a chance to time your dodge without totally taking the challenge out of it. It it gives you a rhythm where you hear the effect and then you're like, oh, the effect, one, two, and then you know it's going to hit. Yeah, totally. Um, and this sounds kind of obvious, but in the confetti explosion <laughs> that is the combat <laughs> in Voidigo, it's really hard to keep your eyes in every place at once, right? So mm-hmm. sound design like this that cues what's going to happen to you so that you have that fair reaction chance when you can't necessarily see the enemy about to strike is a really key and user-friendly way to design this. Yeah, and it also makes you fucking giggle when you hear it because it's hilarious. Yeah, it's also cute and fun. And this yeah. is like kind of a microcosm of what makes Voidigo so good. It's this rare, super nuanced attention to detail that is put towards every single aspect of the game's construction. Yeah, this this game is like... it. It's like when you watch those videos of people who take aluminum foil crumpled up and like polish it into a perfect sphere. Like that's the level of polish we're talking about. Literally everything (laughs) in this game, like, you know, like art, music, sound effects, uh, just like menu design, like everything about it is just tight, polished, like hilarious, perfect crafted. It's incredible. You're talking about like the YouTube videos where the guy takes like clams and then he makes world's sharpest knife made out of clams <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly that's, that's exactly. the kind of polish we're talking about yeah, um, yeah and um roguelites share a lot of similar elements so today we're going to highlight the things that kind of make uh voidigo stand out from the from the crowd um but uh i think it's worth mentioning if you like you know binding of isaac um if you like uh let's see risk of rain Risk of Rain, yeah. Um, Nuclear Throne was one that we haven't played, that, but that we saw um, cited a lot in the reviews. If you like those kinds of games, this is going to be right up your alley. Yeah, and if you want to learn more about roguelikes and roguelites, which this game apparently technically is, a good resource would be Jeff Jeff's video on YouTube. That's G-E-F-J-E-F-F. Uh, <laughs> he has a video called A Brief History of Roguelikes, which was really interesting. Um and saved me the trouble of having to watch recordings of the roguelike summits that happened in the late 2000s where a bunch of fucking nerds debated what made a game a roguelike. Yeah, it's literally a gatekeeping conference. Yeah, there's nothing I love more than people that get together to talk about how angry they are about their hobby. So when you play Voidigo, there are four stages that you loop through, each using a unique environment, And each one of those environments is divided into nine procedurally generated areas. There are two safe areas, one where you spawn and one with a store. And then there are seven, which contain enemies and also pillars to destroy, which will expose the boss's health. Yeah, and these are roughly basically nine squares that are connected um, by running up, down, left, or right on the sides. And they kind of form a grid, you know. Uh, and they connect to each other through usually one or two, or two two to four, I guess, passageways. And what's really interesting about them is that there are probably three or four different like visual motifs that are drawn from to create these little areas. Um, and 
so like some of them will have like a weird in the first stage you'll have like a weird undersea area or a strange medieval like banquet hall but but with bugs um and those are like sort of mashed together and combined to form you know the first stage and i think it's called like uh antlantis or something like that yeah yeah it's yeah. something cute <laughs> it is yeah so bosses appear early in the level and this seems to be what makes it different from a lot of roguelikes uh is that they move between the areas and they're battling you as you destroy the pillars to expose their health. Yeah, yeah. So I think I think they're they're usually like set in one particular area, and as soon as you stumble upon them, they're now active parts of the level as well. Yeah, it, it makes this great pacing where you're sort of deciding, right? I don't know what was your approach, Sam. My approach was always that I cleared every level of all of the enemies, and then I had a safe area to fight the boss. Mine was uh, speed running through to break all of the crystals around the stages so that I could expose all of the boss health right away. And then I would focus on the boss, actually. Enemies, I didn't quite focus on as much uh, unless it was before the boss time or if I needed money or something. Interesting. Mm -hmm. What is behind my enemy massacre? (laughs) We don't know. Uh, but yeah, so it makes this really interesting pacing where you can kind of decide how you want to approach the level. And at times the boss can actually lock you into an area until you mm-hmm. destroy another pillar that's popped up. So you have some degree of control over how you approach it, but it's constantly throwing you that curveball of like, you got to break the new pillar. The boss has locked you in. The boss has moved. It's in a different area now. That kind of thing. Yeah. And now we're going to cut to our... Um... Uh, basically we just replay the trailer from Battlefield Bad Company uh, and say that this game has destructible environment. Oh, does it ever have destructible (laughs) environments? Uh, Yeah, so the levels are made up of blocks and they can be destroyed by powerful enemies, uh, bosses, and by powerful weapons. And it really does create a cool continuously changing arena out of each of these or the seven areas that have enemies in them. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are times I feel like where I would go try to grab something. I'd be like, oh, this health power up is like not quite in the right place. And then the boss would smash through and expose the power up so I could get to it. Right. Yeah, and then the opposite of that, too, is, like, um, there are cases where, like, I was trying to take cover from stuff, but the boss's attacks will actually destroy cover um, if they're powerful enough. So it's also, like, keeping you moving, and you can't just hide behind areas of the stage because everything is destructible. Right. Uh, There is one place you can hide, and that is the optional offshoot areas, uh, which you can choose whether or not you want to enter to get more loot. But once you enter them, you have to clear them of enemies. Maybe this is where that habit came from. (laughs) <laughs> anyway, you have yeah, to yeah, clear yeah, okay. them of, of enemies, and then you get a power-up as a reward at the end of it. Um, my general approach was to do every single one of them, no matter what. Yeah, that was my approach as well. Nice. Well, I'm glad we agree on something. <laughs> so, upon completing the stages for the first time, uh, you actually don't do the classic roguelike go on forever until you die. You Actually, that's considered like a completion. But after that, you do unlock the ability to loop all of the stages. So once you get to the last stage, which is a pretty unique experience that I won't spoil uh, in and of itself, um, you can choose to loop back to the beginning. And a couple of changes take place. Uh, obviously, the difficulty increases, but also the um, you're more likely to get rare items, kind of like any roguelike, you know. Uh, it just ups all the stakes. Uh, and that was... Um, I don't think I actually looped until just like three days ago because this game is hard. It is hard. It is hard. And I think the highest difficulty it lets you in on is the middle difficulty of seven different ones. Mm -hmm. Uh, And in the interest of time, not in the interest of my skills, 
uh, I decided to bump the difficulty down for many of my playthroughs. Um, but like with all roguelikes, really, there's no shame. It's like you play at the difficulty that's fun for you because roguelikes inherently are like an experience you're having for yourself. Yeah, yeah. And this was, I think both of us were like looking for a nice single player uh, game to sort of like get lost in. And, and this is perfect. Yeah. So like choose your own difficulty, play it at your own pace. Yeah. Weapons and upgrades. All right, so let, let's get into this section, though, because be- the weapons are what makes Voidigo, like... This it has is the best weapon the- selection. Yeah, yeah, yeah it has yeah. the best <laughs> weapon selection of any game I've ever played in my whole life. Right now, like, gun to my head, best weapon selection of any game. It is easily Voidigo. Yes, yes, 100%. Um, I was still finding new weapons um, the last time I played the game. We've been playing this game for, like, a month now, and... Um, because the furthest I think either of us has gotten is like maybe one and a half loops, I was still discovering new weapons just the last time I played. And they're all just fucking ridiculous and amazing. Totally. So, yeah, the game has countless weapons. Uh, it does include the classics, shotgun, machine gun, pistols, whatever. Um, but it also includes weapons like a catapult that shoots flocks of bats at your enemies. The batapult. A tennis racket and tennis balls that ricochet. Uh, a giant mantis leg that kicks your enemies. Uh, uh, I think you left out some of the best ones. Okay, um, hit me. What are they? Uh, okay, exqui- what is it? E- exclusive dog breed or something like that, which is like a tiny rare little, dog like, breed. Rare dog breed, like a Bichon free that sits on a pillow, but then when you attack, it has a giant, disgusting scorpion tail that it like attacks with. <laughs> yeah. Um. What else? Uh. The 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 all of the skeleton weapons, like the xylophone one that you mentioned at the very beginning. I think. Uh, the saxophone, the bad sax. That's a good one. Um, and obviously these include melee weapons as well yeah 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 that's an interesting thing too is that the game has an options like at any time you can pick up melee or ranged weapons and all the weapons vary pretty wildly in like how they reload how many shots are in the clip how much ammo you can have overall the melee weapons you can block with so there's actually like a, a, a huge amount of depth in addition to the ridiculousness yeah, and there are a lot of weapons that don't do what they look like they would do. <laughs> so you might pick something up and think it's a melee weapon or pick it up and think it's a gun. And it turns out that um, close range sniper rifle is just a rifle with a fist on the end of it that, uh, or a boxing glove <laughs> that punches your enemies. And then Sam, your favorite weapon is like this as well, turtle. <laughs> yeah, you're literally just holding a turtle out in front of you. And <laughs> I don't know what I expected when I was holding this. I was kind of like, oh, this is going to do something really cute. What are you uh, supposed out... to expect? No expectations <laughs> with the turtle. Yeah. The uh, the turtle pulls out a, I think it's like a, a, a nine millimeter pistol and shoots for two, two attacks. And then he pulls out a knife and slashes for two attacks to form like a ranged and melee combo. And then while you're idling, holding the turtle, he like will like pull out the knife and like gesture violently every now and then. <laughs> the turtle is your friend that's always ready to pop off. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. The turtle is your friend where you're like, someone will cut you off while you're driving and your friend is just like, Let's kill him. <laughs> we all have a friend that we could hold out in front of us to take care of a couple problems. Oh, yeah, especially in like a fucking cheats parking lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And obviously this wackiness extends to the upgrades and companions. Uh, companions such as the live studio audience, which is a full audience of little cartoon people riding around in an arena that has legs on it um who clap your enemies to death and cheer you on <laughs> nice and yep. the crazy bat lady a old woman carried around by bats who also shoots bats yes it's, just, it's weekend at bernie's with bats 
Yeah, they really took like the Mel Brooks approach to weaponry in this game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they definitely did. I'm trying to remember the the light bulb dude is is the number one like absolute squad squad mate though. Oh, bright idea. Yeah, bright idea. Yes, yes. You know what I'm talking about. Characters. So one unique thing about Voidigo's different characters um, is what differentiates them. So they are fairly similar in terms of how they attack. All of the characters use the same weapons, but they're defined from each other with starting perks that greatly change their movement and their interaction with the world. Yeah, so for instance, the base character gets bonuses to the stomping mechanic, which is something that we should have mentioned in weapons and upgrades, but it's... uh. You can kind of Mario stomp on your enemies to both like maneuver around the levels and to stun them for a little bit. Um, but the the main character, the uh, first character you unlock, gets a bonus to that ability. And then the alternate perk is uh, sort of a, a passive buff that you get for being near certain structures. Um, but those those bonuses change quite a bit when you unlock your first uh, you know alternate character, and they range from things like getting a dash or um, uh, extending your hand so that you hold your weapon about like six feet out in front of you, which is an interesting one, especially for melee builds. <laughs> that took um, me forever to figure out because I was like, it can't be this simple. <laughs> it turns <laughs> out that it is. Yeah, it's just a really safe way to slash people. Um, and then I think the one that we both were impressed by the most was the drone, which lets you separate your character from the source of your attacks uh, via a mechanical like engineer dude who has a drone that he sends out. And... The engineer is where you can get damaged as and where you move around, but the drone is where your attacks come from. Yeah, it's remarkably intuitive. Picking it yeah. up, I was so ready for it to be confusing as hell, but the controls feel really natural. They, like, they did a great job of uh, making it make sense in a way where like, if you just don't think too hard about it, <laughs> just like <laughs> I think you said, as long as you stayed in the zone and just like weren't thinking about pressing B and you were just doing it, uh the joystick motions and everything makes sense with the drone a lot yeah it's really cool too because um you can pick up other characters base power-ups in the game so um for instance you know as the robot guy with the drone once i actually picked up another character's dash ability uh and i have no idea how i managed both of them at the same time this was after like an 11 hour coding session and i was uh, (laughs) apparently awakened because i had no idea how i was doing it but i was dashing and moving the robot and like you said as long as i didn't stop to think about what i was doing um it worked and it felt really cool too conclusion all in all, Voidigo has a ton going for it, and we've really only scratched the surface. So, Sam, l- let's hit a few points real quick to uh, to sum this up. Uh, yeah. I think that there's a specific boss that you would like to address. Um, Pony! Go, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> How are you so good at that? I don't know. I don't even really like horses, to be honest. They're fine. They're yeah, fine. So, They're fine. Yeah. If you like horses out there... As long as they're not on your planner, it's fine. Yeah, so the the easily my favorite boss in the game is the just called Pony, and it's just a horse but with the entire face on its nose. Uh <laughs> it's it's fucking cursed and it's it's hilarious and I love it. Yeah, it it is extremely bothersome to my sensibilities. <laughs> um but he also overall, attacks primarily with his tongue, which is just disgusting. Uh, yeah, he like sticks it to the ground and like up between your toes. Not really, <laughs> that's how I imagined it would feel. <laughs> Um, overall, though, the bosses, the designs are all great. They're all appropriately challenging. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, I'm not going to spoil anything. They rock. Play, play, boy to go. Um, yeah. 
the soundtrack is awesome. All the sound effects, like I talked about, really intuitive, really well utilized. Um, a lot of surprisingly unique sound effects, considering how many enemies and weapons and bosses and stuff there are. Yeah, one thing we didn't mention was the narrator. Um, so every now and then when you drop into a new stage, you'll get like, this voice from everywhere and nowhere that will read you like <laughs> weird lines of poetry about the level. Like they will never be as satisfied as a beetle rolling a ball of dung or something like that. And, <laughs> and like this weird, like goofy Edgar Allan Poe-esque cartoon voice. Um, and it, it's just another one of those weird touches that like, I mean, it, it kind of fills you in on exposition because he refers to like some entity that might be controlling the loop that you're in or something like that. But really it's just like, you know, another nice touch. And if you're not a fucking story nerd, I'm sorry that you wasted the last five seconds of your life. <laughs> God fucking damn it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. The base camp where you rest in between rounds of playing the game. Uh, it's pretty intuitive, has unlockables based on a currency you get for beating bosses. It's fun and interesting. And, uh has some surprises and unlockables in there that are cool mm -hmm. uh and i overall sam i'm gonna say this is another game that i generally have no complaints about yeah i'm after this episode after we're done recording i'm gonna go play it again because i'm so excited about it having talked about it now for about an hour <laughs> like no joke isn't that the perfect like summary of how good this game is like we're just gonna go play it more <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i i like it more than i like doing the podcast <laughs> no that's not true at all um but i do like it a lot <laughs> all right so as is tradition do you want to go through our steam reviews for the game yeah i wanted to start off with a steam review um that i actually read while we were researching to decide if we were going to play boy to go um okay. and this piece of advice became invaluable in my voidigo journey uh and that user's name is nutcloud um <laughs> a true wise man as you can tell and any re any relation to jabba the nut uh you'll have to ask them okay um and also tell them to listen to the podcast if you dm them uh yep. nutcloud said spam jump and you'll be fine yep pretty much true I mean, you won't. You'll die immediately, pretty much. Like, the first, like, nine Repeatedly, runs of the game. Over but yeah, and over, yeah, and over and over again. And over and over. But if you spam jump, you'll die less. Yeah, this might be the hardest roguelite that I've ever played. Um, but I'm glad yeah, you said roguelite, because based on the Berlin description <laughs> from the 2008 roguelite conference, um, it is technically not, uh, not a roguelike. It is a roguelite, and only barely, Sam. Well, yeah, so, I'm not trying to get an angry, a censure email from the consortium, you know? No, I, I, I don't even want to talk to people about roguelikes <laughs> that I play, because talking to people about roguelikes that you play, like, like talking to someone about a roguelike that you're playing by yourself at home in your sweaty office chair is, it's like talking to the school nurse about the roguelike that you're playing at home <laughs> in your sweaty office chair. My office chair is mesh, so I, you know... Go fuck yourself. <laughs> also, while we're on the subject of roguelites, um, also play Hades, but uh, that's another story. Um, Good plug. Yeah. Is that it for your, what was his name, Nutface? Yeah, it was Nutface. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was Nutface. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Nice. Yep. All right, well, I'll go on to my my first review, which is actually related um, from uh, user DubDub, only 34 products and account. Um, his review was, 
jump on top of head like Gumber. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you got that one because I had it and then I cut it. So you know it's a good review. We both agree because we make the best reviews available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Yes. Uh, be sure to uh, subscribe. Five stars on iTunes, all that stuff. Follow us on social media. Um, Check out Patreon. Subscribe. Yep. Forcibly subscribe everyone you know to the podcast. Take their phone from them physically. Um, but yeah, I'm assuming that Dub Dub meant to say Goomba and mistyped Gumber. But no, that's I think also... he meant Gumber. <laughs> I think well... he was talking about his cousin Gumber. <laughs> In truth, only only Dub Dub knows. Only Dub Dub knows. Um, why don't you go ahead and read your next one? Because I feel like mine is a good one to end on. Okay, I've actually got four. So, um... well, let's pick one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care right now. Uh, okay, I, got, I can cut it down to two. There's one I can cut. Um, mm-hmm. This one is from Russian 660. Uh, 192 products that account, much more realistic, uh, but recommended. Um, and it was an early access review, which I think we should have mentioned this too, but this game is in early access. You couldn't tell by the quality of the game, but they're still making updates. No, um, we just don't mention it anymore because we said we weren't going to do early access and then every game became early access. Got it. I'll just cut this out. Um, anyway, oh. Russian 660 says, I'm all in lace and I'm ready to play. Well. <laughs> <laughs> I don't... I think they may have gotten their, like, text box chats mixed up. Like, they were using, like, some, like, you know, they were on Christian Mingle or something. <laughs> and, and they were trying to type uh, the, the chat. The lace is, like, priest robe. Like, the border of a priest robe. <laughs> like the Pope. Yes. <laughs> yes, like the Pope. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. My last one is from Otters uh, with only 77 products in account. Um, and uh, their review was, this is better than the first sip of a can. <laughs> Give me a sec. I can do it. This is better than the first sip of a can of lemonade. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I have I have so many questions. They're just sitting on like a chair made out of lim- Minute Maid lemonade cans. And they're like, yep, yep, crisp. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So for the last review that I wanted to finish off on, this is from Will Nil. <laughs> and Will Nil's review says, juiciest game of 2021. Okay, good. I'm glad that you picked this one because this was one that I passed over but liked. Brothers. <laughs> no one knows. COVID. Uh- <laughs> yeah, um, so uh, in conclusion, uh, writing a high school essay right now, uh, buy Void to Go immediately. That's my first plug. Uh, it- it's incredible. Bu- buy it. Buy it now. Um, but once you're done purchasing it... Um, Definitely check us out on our various social media accounts, including Twitter. Uh, we're at at underscore 1kpod, I think. And uh, check us out on Patreon at uh, patreon.com slash u1k. Um, and uh, it would be a huge help uh, if you were to, say, you know, go to Spotify and uh, subscribe and follow us there and go to Apple and give us a five-star review. Only five stars. If you're not going to review us with five stars, just, you know, just go fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah, just don't and don't buy Voigo because you don't deserve it. Um, if you review us less than four star or less than five stars, I'm gonna get turtle out in this bitch. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to mess with the turtle. Uh, we, you don't want to get stabbed just, and shot. No, we've discussed this. Where you're um, trying to get your mozzarella sticks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So five stars uh, in conclusion, and I think that's I think that's it. Do you have anything else you'd like to say that's uh, not related to the place that a cat goes? What?
Nothing. Enjoy these outtakes and be laughing my ass off while I try to read the intro. <laughs> yeah, alright. Goodbye, everybody. Have a good have a good rest of your life. <laughs> off to a good start. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. <laughs> the year is 2034. You return home. <laughs> Not even two sentences. <laughs> the first sentence is four words. In the V's, a game never touched, a Steam gift from an account that now sits along to <laughs> You just saw the name of the Steam account, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh shit, it hasn't been a recording this whole time. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> God fucking damn it. <laughs>